Let's go. Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Dedu, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. Excited to bring you an exclusive interview with Salvatore Palella, CEO of Helbers, which is about to list on the NASDAQ as the first shared micromobility player. As far as I can tell, it's the first player to go public globally, and it's a really interesting conversation about the current state of the market, how valuations have reached in the SPAC space, and overall what possibilities exist for the micromobility space on the public markets. In terms of news, the Chinese bike-sharing giant Hello, which is backed by Ant Group, has confidentially filed for a US IPO, according to people familiar with the matter. Working with the China International Capital Corp, Credit Suisse, and Morgan Stanley, the Shanghai-based startup could be looking to raise as much as $1 billion. Industry veterans may recall that Hello, formerly Hello Bike, was one of the few firms to survive China's disastrous bike-sharing bubble in 2017 and come through the crisis stronger. Today, the company is valued at $5 billion, with over 400 million registered users and fleets in more than 400 cities in China. If anyone has any connections to the leadership here and would help tee up an interview, I know everybody would be incredibly grateful and the podcast would be very well received. DM me on Twitter. Further, Bird says that it will spend $150 million on Europe in 2021, including launching in more than 50 cities, subsidizing its ride pass program and deploying unspecified new mobility products and safety initiatives. The big players are not dead, and this is serious money we're talking about. Excited to see it play out. And with that, here's Salvatore. Let's go. And welcome back to Micromobility. We have with us today Salvatore Palella. How are you today, Salvatore? Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver. Excellent. Oh, not at all. Hey, look, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking today about the first listing of a shared micromobility company on the NASDAQ. But before we kind of dig into that, I really, as I was doing some background for this episode, Salvatore, you know, you have a fascinating background. You were one of the youngest, or if not the youngest, professional football club owners in Europe. And that, I'm just fascinated as to how one goes, well, one, how you ended up there, and then how you ended up starting Alvis. So can you talk us through that story? Because it's great. Yeah, thank you. My life was a little bit rough at the beginning. I tried to make myself a life, a way to to work a lot. The football part was just a little venture in the middle of my life. Uh, mm. Didn't work really well because uh, football, soccer, especially in Italy, is something that there is a lot of passion. But after that, uh, of course, the business life was different than the sport. Uh, and thank God that yes. work in the right in the right way. I started to work really hardly in my life. I come from Sicily. I moved to Milan, then I moved to London and. Dublin. I worked in a very famous fast food at the beginning of my careers when I was 18. And mm. then I start a company working on agriculture, it was a vending, vending machine based on the orange juice, uh, was really popular in Italy. And then uh, I moved uh, to finance and technology. And then uh, I opened Elbits five years ago. And now I'm here. I'm 32 <laughs> years ago. So I don't have a really long life of uh, working. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I start well, really early. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Halber's, it's been one of these companies that I have heard about over the years and it's popped up a number of times because you end up in some random places. Like you have operations in Washington and I know you have a bunch of operations in Europe. And so could you take us through, like what is the current state of Halber's? Like where do you operate? How many staff, numbers of scooters, all that sort of thing? Yeah, so Halber's right now, it's a really good project that's going to be a multinational company. We give our success uh, thanks to the fact that we invest as a first company in Italy as a micromobility sharing uh, operator. Uh, we were the first company that started in Italy. We started the operation three years ago, but before that, four years ago, I started some tests in Los Angeles where I was living, trying to understand how go ahead with the operation, especially on the fact that micromobility was really at the beginning. So mm -hmm. we had a platform and around this platform, we start to work on the technology, how to make this easy and how to make it accessible to all the people around the world. As you mm -hmm. say, the operations are really worldwide right now. We have operation in Singapore. We have US that is our first market. We are based in New York, where I am right now, but we have a big operation in Italy. We are the first micromobility company of the country. And then we are slowly starting in Spain and Portugal. We just got approved in our first city in Germany. So we're going to be in the next couple of weeks. And then then we are working really hard on England because we believe a lot on UK and especially on the on the city of England. So how many cities are you currently in? And then what's the number of scooters that you have? We have right now 26 cities and we have around 15,000 scooters around the world and another 7,000 bike around the world. We operate a fleet that is around 23,000 vehicles roughly. Excellent. Excellent. And then you're a fascinating fundraising story. You've gone through like a number of iterations and now obviously you're raising via a SPAC or a special purpose acquisition company for those who are uninitiated. Talk me through that process. And like, this is the first company that's going to go on to any public exchange, as far as I can tell, who's a shared micromobility company. Talk me through that process and, and what you're seeing in terms of retail demand, etc. So as all the startup, we had a roughly time where we have to start to look in, into cash uh, and investor to bring in uh, into the company. was not easy at the beginning because especially my kind of network was really connected to the old economy. Especially Europe is not open to startup and especially in the micromobility space, if you think uh, yeah. four years ago. That's why the company was based in the U.S. I was living in the U.S. I'm still living in in U.S. where I have my family. And U.S. bring us a lot of attention, a lot of press at the beginning. And thanks to this press and attention, we were able to raise some money in Europe. We didn't raise so much money till now. We are around 40 million uh, in compare of the big company on this space. But this was also one of my idea, not burn so much money, stay very light, keep the control of the company. I'm lucky because I still have the 70% of the company. And uh, after the SPAC deal, I will be below the 50%. So I still have a very big control of this company. And this is where I want to be from the beginning. My goal was always to be public. That's why we didn't want to have aggressive found on the cap table of the company. A lot of uh, VC try to invest into the company. We always try to avoid the argument at the beginning because I prefer to take small family office of private angel because they help us a lot on keep the control of the company and we didn't have to follow the line that they imposed to us like all the VC usually does. 
Yeah, so talk me through that because, I mean, obviously this whole industry started out as venture capital funded. Do you think in some part it was, as you say, you didn't have those connections, you were connected more to old Europe or there's older way of doing business versus the traditional venture capital routes? Because even in Europe, like talking to a lot of the operators or people who have been operating shared micromobility, for a number of them, they've gone, you know, it was really hard to get funding, then it was really easy to get funding. Now it's really hard to get funding again. Like how did that play out for you? Let me be honest, Oliver, when you have a good idea, it's not very difficult to find money because uh, Mm. there are a lot of money out there and a lot of people want to invest in new idea and especially new technology or new kind of sector. Micromobility is a new sector. Everyone wants to be here. And it's not very difficult to raise money. It's really difficult to raise easy money that don't give you a lot of trouble, that don't give you a lot of mandatory. You have to buy the scooter from this company. You have to use the software on this company because we invest already in another company. That's why on Elbits, we decide to raise money from family office that are not involved usually in technology. We have a couple of VC from Italy. We have a couple of VC from uh, London, a couple of investors from US. We have one investor from Australia. We want to have people here. They're not uh, invest a lot of money because we don't want to we don't want people to drive us on a way. We have our way. We are sure where we want to be. And from the beginning, the goal of this company was to be public. We want mm. to be public because I think raise money on the market is mo- so much easier than raise money on the private sector right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's the process to get listed via a SPAC? I'm just curious. I've never talked to somebody who's doing it. So how does that go? So, of course, it's not an easy process. It's really difficult. There is a lot of control, SEC, pretend mm-hmm. the company to be very clear. We have to have a lot of number audited by a third part. So there is also a lot of cost behind the fact to be public. But at some point, you have your you have your currency. So in case you want to do M&A, like I want to do right after the IPO, you can use your stock and buy other small companies, small operator. Because I think in the next future, the micromobility company will have a big uh, M&A process where a lot mm-hmm. of big company will buy a lot of small company. But let me say that when we say a lot of big company are not for sure the company who raised a lot of money, but are the company who are light, the company who don't have already thousands of employees, the company that know exactly what is going to be the next goal for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, and I'm very excited to dig into those questions with you because I think certainly having public financing is going to change the game and it is a very interesting development in the micromobility, shared micromobility space. But the actual mechanics, like, so a special purpose acquisition company comes along and says to you, did, is that how that worked or you approach them or, and then, how, you know, and then what do you have to do to kind of like actually list? Yeah, that, so that's we, the question. We were lucky because as I told you, my idea was always to bring this company public. So we were already working on a kind of S1 that is the document before to go public. So you have to yeah. present the SEC, the S1. We were already getting there. Our number was already audited from three years uh, from one of the big farm. And so we decided to give to a bank uh, a mandate to take a look around uh, all of these uh, packs that were booming uh, at the beginning of the year. And we got uh, two, three names and we start discussion. We start discussion on the valuation and then we decide uh, to go in the right side. So uh, even there, I had a lot of other SPAC with a lot of more cash. 
than our SPAC, but we decided to go in a SPAC that give us a good valuation, at the same time, a good freedom on choosing all the company we want to work with. And they had a good enough cash because we are bringing 57 million from the SPAC and another 30 million of pipe investor that we already announced last week, leading by Copernicus that is found out of Switzerland and Fin Beauty Belletti family that is a family office from Milan in Italy. Excellent. Okay. And so once a company goes through a SPAC, as you say, the SPAC's bringing in 57, another group of investors are bringing in another 30. So you're looking at 87? We will be roughly around 80 million that are cost of the process during the during, during a SPAC deal, we will end with 80 million cash and a company value around 400 million on the market cap. That is our, of course, first trading day. And then we hope we are going to booming. And we have a lot of retail requests. We are not taking cash right now from retail, only from professional investors. So we are sure a lot of these retail people will buy from the market. And we hope we will be there in the moment they're looking for a micromobility to invest, a micromobility company to invest. Yeah. Talk me through what that's going to look like. You've obviously got post-public, you've got plans for the company. I would love to hear your thoughts, especially when you talk about M&A and, and how you think that that space is going to emerge. So let me say, after we go public, of course, uh, we have to give a plan to our investor about how we spend these 80 million. We invest uh, mostly of them on the expansion. But as I told you, the good part of be public is that all the share of the company have a value. And what we want to do is use this value to acquire other small companies like us that are out, out there. And we already have a couple of ideas. We have a good M&A office uh, that is working between New York and Singapore. We don't exclude to expand ourselves in the Middle East uh, and uh, in Asia, uh, where the market is uh, pretty low right now. So we have a really big potential out there. And also, let me say, I'm sure you are aware about this. We are opening new kind of business, uh, starting from uh, Dark Kitchen. So we have our first ghost kitchen opening uh, in Milan in the next month. And we are sure it's going to be a really good success because the big idea is that have uh, our vehicle make money 24 hours a day. So when mm-hmm. people don't use it, uh, use for delivery. And at the same time, we have a lot of other ideas we are using uh, on the app, on the platform. Because a good, a big value of this uh, micromobility company is the asset of customer. Right now, we have a couple of million customers that use Elbits and they are customer of Elbits. And we have a wallet. We want to use the wallet and push it as much as we can. Try to sell not only micromobility, but everything is around micromobility. Let me say, for example, insurance. From next month, we start selling insurance in Italy. So everyone who have a private scooter can buy an insurance using Elbits app. And it's going to be very easy two, three different steps, and you can buy your insurance. And this is going to be just the beginning of what is our vision for the next future. And so when you say scooter, is that a moped or is that an actual like a private scooter, like a private stand-up kick scooter thing? We will sell everything is connected to micromobility, starting from a helmet in our shop, finish with the insurance for your private moped, scooter, or e-bike. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk me through as well? Because the $400 million valuation, like that's lofty. That's approximately where like Lime got revalued down to in the last round in the private markets, obviously. So there's, I think that there's obviously a public market premium to be paid into this market. There hasn't been any access for retail investors in this space. How do you think that's going to change? Like, how do you think 
you're, as you say, you're going into lots of other industries that are all connected to micromobility. That is really the only exposure that anybody who's in the retail space is probably going to have to this for at least the next little while. How do you think through that? One, how did you get to the valuation? And then two, how does, you know, um, so Spark, uh, Oliver, let me say first, yeah, yeah. Uh, Spark deal work on revenue in the next couple of years. Our okay. revenue, our revenue was valued five times of the of the revenue we plan to have in 2022 and 2023. So we are going to have a roughly 80 million revenue in 2022, and they got us a value based on that. But also, let me say, you mentioned that one of our competitors was valued around 500 million just right after the the virus. Let me say what I told you at the beginning. We found ourselves as a very light company. We Mm. didn't raise so much money, not because people didn't want to give to us, but because my idea was to be light. And our idea, Oliver, was never to buy scooter and drop in a city. Every time we arrive in a city, we always fight with our competitor because we have logistic chain connect to our company. We don't arrive in a city and we give to a company connect to that city the value of our scooter or we ask them to to use our vehicle and recharge the scooter. Every time we go in a city, we have our logistic people working for us. And this Mm -hmm. is what it means, that we want to educate the people on how to use our scooter and how you educate people is not bringing a thousand, two thousand scooter on the road. How you educate people is bringing hundred scooter on the road and have people use it. After a couple of weeks, you give another 200 scooter. But of course, if you have a lot of cash to burn, your idea is to make more money. So you want mm. to put just 2000 scooter on the road. And this is exactly how don't work with the city that choose Elbits on as an exclusive partner for the micro mobility. Yeah, I mean, totally. I think having watched the boom and bust of the first generation of players, right, like Lime and Bird and the way that they just exploded and dropped scooters everywhere and and that didn't work. And, and you can see because they had to be revalued. Didn't down. work for them, didn't work for the city who select them as a, as an operator. This 100%. is exactly how we are doing right now. We yeah. want to educate people and we are working around all the aspects. So, for example, we have already four different kinds of virtual parking we propose to the city. Every time we do a city tender, we say to the city, listen, we have four kinds of different uh, kind of park. Do you wanna work together with us on this? Now we are working a lot with a big provider of dock station. We want to add this dock station and chargeable station around the world that are a very big asset for a company, especially for a listed company in the future. Mm -hmm. And they are a really big asset for the city. Because yes. you explain the city how it works. Let me take an example. We just start in Jacksonville. That is a city in the middle of Florida. It's a very big city with a lot of people around. They start with a kind of virtual parking. So where you can only park the scooter in this kind of area. And we are booming like crazy only with 200 scooters on the road. We are making mm-hmm. the same revenue of a city with two or 3,000 scooters. Why? Because you have to explain people how to use this service. And this is exactly what we want to do for the future. So work together with city how 
implement our service to not have problem for the city, not have problem for us. That's why I'm lucky to say we are one of the companies who have the lowest number of accidents. Because every time we start, we want to explain, we educate a lot. We do a lot of course around the city, especially in area where we are the first pioneer. Mm. The 200 scooters doing as much value as the 2000 scooters on the road. I am curious how that happens just because I don't know. Let me say, let me say, let me yeah, say yeah. just a just couple of data. So you start in a big city and you choose three, four different operator and you give mm-hmm. them 1,500 scooter each. For example, you mm-hmm. start in a medium city, you choose only two or three company and you give them 200 scooter at the beginning and a small area. And then you have people start to understand how this business work. So in the moment you upgrade the area, you upgrade the number of scooter. And mm-hmm. this is the right combination to have revenue and education grow together with the city. And this mm-hmm. is a win to win for the city and the company because the city don't have accident. And this is what pe- political people want. They want mm-hmm. to give a service. They don't want to have to have headache. But at the same time, the company will have revenue growing slowly, slowly. And we arrive at the same level and you have customer educate to use scooter in the right way. So pick up from a place and live in another place. This uh, it's cost to you less operation and it's cost to the to the citizens, to the to the customer, the idea to know exactly where the scooter are every day. I hear you. Okay, cool. Obviously, you're going to have a bunch of cash, $80 million plus the obviously the ability to go and raise via or to be able to purchase via stock, etc. What's your plan in terms of other countries where you're not present or other companies that you'd be looking to like, how are you thinking about your expansion strategy in that space? So right now we are very focused on second tier city. So we don't want mm-hmm. to fight with a big name that have a lot of cash to burn in big city, but we want to be focused on a second tier city, that city below the 1 million people around the city. And there are a lot of them in the United mm-hmm. States. In the European Union, we want to be always the leader on the Italian market, but we want to grow around that. So right now we are opening three cities in Spain. We opening Lisbon next week or in a couple of weeks, I don't remember. So mm-hmm. we are really focused on expand ourselves around the area we are and in the second tier city. That are the city that have to be followed in the way I just told you on the previous question. And when you say like all of that sounds like expansion for your own operations, are you also looking at acquiring as well as, as a means of expansion? Yeah, we're looking for acquired company or license from other company. And we are already in talk with a couple of very medium, small operators that have really interesting second tier licenses. Of course, everything is paused right now till the end of the SPAC deal. But right yeah. after we want to work during the summer and found out a couple of targets and be ready to acquire as soon as possible. Excellent. Okay. I just think it's such an interesting strategy in some ways, which is that nobody has tried this before. Like nobody has come in and said, look, we're going to go raise a bunch of money and try and acquire a bunch of these people. I think generally speaking, our thesis on how the market will develop is that nobody will own these individually. There'll be a lot of consolidation in the market as you have second or third tier kind of cities and operators who aren't can't necessarily grow their own businesses that big, but it makes sense for a larger a kind of aggregator to come in and be able to purchase them and nobody let me say on your blog one of the first words that will pop up is consolidation in the next couple of years because yeah. a lot of company will try to do this 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm fascinated to see it happen. We had a thesis that in, on our podcast that this would happen via franchising. We thought that there would be platforms like the Bird platform, for example, where they provide the scooters and the operations and all the expertise there, but then like a local person would buy those operations and set them up in particular places and that's how that would work. But that hasn't really played out to date. So I'm curious to see how this will yeah, go. A couple of seeding franchising in Italy. For example, mm-hmm. Pisa is one of that. It's working really good. I think uh, there is a lot of work to do behind. So not only the operation, but also the back end have to be ready on consolidated franchising. But it's going to be one of the most key market in the future, franchising the brand. But for franchising the brand, you have to start to product uh, scooter, uh, e-bike or e-mobiles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So take me through, what has been your hardware strategy to date? For the cities that you've operated in, you said you've got scooters and e-bikes. How have you thought about that? Did you develop your own proprietary stuff or have you used just standard standard scooters? We have a couple of suppliers. One of the biggest supplier right now is Segway. We're working really good together with Segway. They are a good partner for us. Every time we have something to add on our bench of order, they help us on create a kind of tailor-made scooter and tailor-made bike. We are going to try as soon the bike produced by them. And we're really excited about this. We just got the, the, the sample and we are testing them in Washington, D.C. I think in the next future, we are going to work on produce some Thing from ourselves, but together with a big producer like Segway, like work on our model, but give the production to, to a big manufacturer like Segway. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, certainly from a tech perspective, I've watched, you know, a couple of different models emerge in this space of how different operators will bring themselves to that. And the folks who have gone and tried to build everything their own have really struggled. But people who have kind of you know, gone for a, a standard hardware strategy of just buying from Segway or Okai or whoever the, the producer is, at some point start to say, look, we're big enough that we can start tailoring our vehicles that are sort of specific and make it a lot of sense. Let me say it's not easy. Produce our vehicle. It's something we want to do in the future, but it's not something you can wake up one morning and decide to produce the vehicle because there is a lot of engineer behind them and they have to be a lot of tests behind every vehicle because, uh, of course, every time a customer uses the scooter, you have the responsibility of the customer life. So I prefer right now to use third-part uh, Segway and give mm-hmm. to Segway the tips and the suggestion of the scooter, how we want it uh, and how we want it to improve. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of tech stacks, I mean, I noticed when I was doing the research for this, at, at one point you tried to integrate cryptocurrencies for payments and stuff. Talk me through what the vision was there and then what happened. Very quickly, we decided to implement cryptocurrency a couple of years ago. We spent a lot of money trying to implement the service, but then uh, we realized that it didn't work because uh, people want to hold uh, cryptocurrency and uh, I think they see the utility token as a security, but it's not like this. Uh, utility token are not uh, made to be held, but they are made to be used. So you should spend to a platform. But after we implement the cryptocurrency, we see very low number of users use it. And we didn't want to spend money to maintain this kind of uh, platform. So in advance, we inform our customer and then we decide to remove from the platform the use of the cryptocurrency. A lot of other cryptocurrency big exchange are try to chasing us try to to add the service on the platform using third party that will be more safe for us but right now 
I don't want to mix uh, cryptocurrency with the normal fiat because uh, we work in so many markets and cryptocurrency, as you know, is not really good regulate in the United States and in Europe. We don't want to be in a gray space. We want to be there when uh, US will take, for example, decision about cryptocurrency. And I'm sure it's going to be very soon, but we don't want to be there yet. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I certainly can see the, as you say, it's early and I don't think there's a lot of stuff that's been clear. And certainly there's no, as far as I can tell, utility token that's really worked at this point for any of these payments. So I, I totally understand. I, I want to go back to this part that we kind of talked about earlier, which is, you know, public investments and your ability to go and do mergers and acquisitions. And that's your plan for expansion and being able to access obviously public funds or public markets to be able to fund that. How do you think that that's going to change your competitive advantage? I mean, let me step back a little bit. So going out there and make acquisition is not something that you will do in a couple of weeks. So you have to have a two plans that they work in parallel. As I told you before, we have the plan to start to expand our our vehicle around the world. We especially want to push a lot on Imoped. Imoped is a big business that micro mobility company didn't want to push a lot except a couple of them. And I'm sure we had right now, we just finalized a big acquisition in Italy called Mimoto that was the, the first and the biggest provider of Imoped all over Italy. It was a finalized acquisition by us a couple of days ago. We decided to acquire on August and we, we just finalized it just right before the proxy before to go public. But at the same time, as I told you, we want to, to go in parallel. So the expansion in one side and the MA in another side. We already saw a couple of targets on where we want to be, but work together it's not easy. And in a phase like, like now, where we are really busy with going public, we want to keep this discussion for after the IPO day, let's say. Yeah. But I guess my question is in a larger sense, not only the sort of like the mechanics of stuff in the next couple of months, but like the long term, a couple of years from now, we've talked a lot about consolidation. We've talked a lot about this. Does it change your ability to do things like debt fund? Does it change your ability to things like debt fund expansion for, for the current scooters? Does it change your ability to be able to do other things in terms of operations that you can't necessarily do as a private company that you might be able to do as a public company? And does that how, how will that impact on your, compet uh, your competitive spirit? I don't think so, Oliver. I think I have a public company on a public space. So in a space where company work with public, have uh, everything transparent, have everything clear, have mm. a company that have an audit number behind. This will help a lot city on choice us because we are really clear and uh, everything you can see in the company is out there. And I'm sure this will help us uh, on the expansion plan. But let me say, I think, Oliver, in the next future, we will see micromobility moving from making money only from ride to making money from service and advertising. I see in the next 10 years, and mm. it's a really long-term view, but not so long as you can feel, that the space in the micromobility will be different. Advertising will play a key rules on this, uh, we invest a lot in advertising and already we are doing a lot to attract advertising on our platform. Every time a person unlocks the scooter, there are three to five seconds where the, the person have a scooter in front of them. Let's sell advertising. Mm -hmm. Every time you use the map to locate one of our scooters, you can sell advertising. A lot of service can be done uh, with a subscription. You have a subscription like Elbits Unlimited, and that subscription can be used for N 
number of other services. We want to be there. That's why we already implement a platform that is called Helbits Advertising and can, will be open right before the, the summer, will be open to everyone. Everyone can buy $100, $100 advertising in, in Miami and advertising a party, uh, advertising a location, advertising a restaurant. Everything can be done by this. And in the next future, Oliver, I think the revenue from the ride will be will be below the revenue from the advertising this is for you as revenue i'm fascinated by this idea of we go <laughs> uh, horace and i have oftentimes talked about how the marginal cost per kilometer for a scooter is going to trend towards is trending downwards and actually do, do you have any sort of data on like what your cost per kilometer is at the moment and then where you think it might be able to get to and the reason that I ask that question is if, as you say, the revenue for each kilometer starts going down, but you can start selling it because you can say to someone, like, hey, look, we'll give you a free ride, equivalent of a free ride to if you ride to the subway or if you ride to this restaurant or if you ride to this other. So, Oliver, about the number, I cannot disclose all these numbers because we are in a ready gray space right now. And yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> I, I mean, in, in a couple of in a couple of weeks, of our number will be public. But right now, we are in a in a raising phase, uh, so I can't disclose this number. But let me say that uh, about this last point, we are already working on some kind of discount for repositioning or rebalancing of the scooter. So, if you bring the scooter from A to B or from B to C, we give you a discount because you. You are doing some work from us. We are testing this in a uh, in small city in Italy, uh, where if you bring the scooter from outside the city center to the city center, we are giving you a small discount or you don't pay your lock fee. And this is going to be normal for the micromobility 3.0, let's say. Yes. And that's kind of relatively standard in the industry now that people will pay you to, to relocate back into a service zone or back to an area of kind of higher demand. I guess my question is, do you see the advertising platform being able to go like, if you're a restaurant, you could literally give free rides to someone if they rode in because it all of a sudden delivers them there, you know, and then you work out how to pair that. And maybe that pairs into your, your wallet system or something like exactly. that. So not a kind of rewards, but the opposite way. So you sell advertising for impression. You sell advertising from how many people use this service. So as much you make people use your service, you can increase the price of the advertising. And this, I think, is going to be the key in the future. So right now we are in a mixed moment where, of course, the, the revenue are coming from Ride, and this is going to be for the next two, three years. But uh, we want to be ready in the future when uh, you're going to give a big discount. For example, you don't pay the lock fee that usually is the 50% of the price of a race. And you will have uh, an extra ride for the next day if you use our platform, but we push you advertising. And this will be a big uh, change for the future. Mm, mm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Can you go even further than that? Like, you know, say for example, we're five or 10 years from now, you've got multiple different vehicles on the platform. If we're just talking philosophically, can you see anything else or am I get, are, you, are, you gonna, are we pushing you into areas where you might be giving away some of your best ideas? 
I mean, we have other idea. Let me say the advertising is one important idea. Ghost Kitchen is another important idea. So every city where you have uh, operation start with a ghost kitchen because uh, I think food delivery in the next five years will booming like crazy. Of course, mm. we have already a big uh, booming during the virus, but I'm sure this will increase always, always and always. And uh, the fact that around the platform try to to sell as much uh, service connected to the space uh, you can. For example, the insurance that I told you before. And of course, we have other view for the long terms, but uh, we want to keep these uh, for when we are public. Okay, fair enough. I understand that. The thing I want to finish up on is just understanding you're one of the few companies, there aren't that many, that operate between the US and Europe. I guess the question that I have is what are the operational behavioral differences between them and what's the most challenging aspects of that? I mean, of course, the big challenge is uh, work with bureaucracy around the world with different ideas. Sometimes uh, in the US, for example, some problem can be an issue that in Europe is not. So you have to have a kind of elastic way to think uh, how the world is changing and how micromobility help not only the people, but also the place. So you have to always remember when you operate micromobility that the micromobility it's different every place where you go. For example, you have a big city in Europe, but they have a very old street. So you have to avoid the street. In US, you don't have this problem. But sometimes US companies don't understand this in Europe. And they open to all the street without slow zone, without all of these kind of particular way to make people use the micromobility. And this is a big issue for the European. In the other side, for example, you have in Europe a lot of spot very concerned the city center are, re- are super close. In US, it's the opposite. You have three, four different city center, every city where you operate. So it's mm. different. You have to have, of course, different team and the different team have to be connected on the quality of the service, but they don't have to think the same sometimes. They have to, mm-hmm. see, they have to think separately because the rules are totally different. You mentioned before that your operations are all entirely in-house, as in like the folks who you bring on to help relocate the scooters and charge the scooters, they're all employees for yourself. And that's the same for both US and, and Europe? Yeah, 100% of our operation worldwide is managed by us. And this was a key at the beginning of this company, and that will never change this rule, because every time someone uses our scooter, know that the scooter was charged, fixed, recharge and rebalancing from someone who have the knowledge to do this. And not only the knowledge on fix a problem if you see a problem and not in the opposite way from someone that charge the scooter for make of course money, but they don't have the tooling, they don't have the knowledge to know exactly if the scooter have the right to be on the street or not. And this Mm. is a very Mm. important key. We try to explain to city. Sometimes city don't understand. They go for the brand, but they have to understand this. Logistic operation is very important if you want to save the people who use micromobility around the world. And this was the key at the beginning when I found this company. Everything has to be in-house, including lot of software we use are created by us. We really use a small number of third parties on our technology because mm-hmm. I want everything to be in-house. This can be an issue at the beginning. In the first couple of years, was a big issue because I was not able to follow the big company 
and so to be on the same level, because of course, if you don't want to use third part, the growth of the company is a little bit slow, but then now we have 100% technology, 100% logistic. And if something happened, you can have your people change work or you have your technology do something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you haven't been through, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in cash in the process of trying to expand and then finding that you can't yet. Yeah, yeah. All the software, all the intellectual property is on our balance sheet. So everything, the code is worth what is worth the company. And we don't use a third part from everything. What's the time frame for launching on the NASDAQ? By the end of June, let me say, if I have to be conservative, if I have to be positive by the beginning of June. Okay. Excellent. All right. If you're interested in having some exposure to Helbers, that's the time frame that you have to keep in mind. In the meantime, I just want to say thank you, Salvatore. It's, a, it's been a great discussion and I really, really appreciate your And thank your you time. guys for what you do for the space. I follow you from the beginning. I follow you micromobility.io from the beginning. And I think oh, you guys are doing really well. Excellent. Well, hey, look, I really appreciate your time and yeah, looking forward to more discussions in this space. Thank you. See you soon.